Hey guys, Montel here, and thanks so much for being a part of today's Let's Be Blunt with Montel. And I am so excited to have a guest that we've had on before who comes back every now and then, but he's coming from really what I call, you know, like the, the Bible of, of cannabis these days, and that's Leafly. Mr. David Downs is going to be with us today talking about what's happened at Leafly because they've just now picked their strain of the year. And just so you know, not all cannabis is created equal, even though a lot of people out there think it is. You know, different strains of cannabis produce different effects and thus can be used for different reasons. And most consumers have generally divided cannabis into one of three categories, in either indigo, sativa, or hybrid, on the general outcome of the effects of those products. But the industry is starting to realize, and some experts are starting to say, that those terms are now really meaningless, and that when you test some of this in the lab, there are no identifiable characteristics consistent with these, I think, now archaic terms. What is generally consistent, though, is the effect and the profile from a particular strain. And here to unveil Leafly's selection of the 2021 strain of the year is Leafly's California Bureau Chief and co-host of the Hash Podcast, Mr. David Downs. David, thanks so much for being a part of the show today, my friend. Thanks for having me, Montel. I love being here. I love what you're doing. And you got one of the best audiences on the internet. Oh, man, I really appreciate that, my friend. Look, you know, uh, before we get in, I'm going to make them stick around. I have to, you know, just just kind of reel them in and let them know what the strain of the year is. But before we get to that, you know, right before we started, and I want to share this with our, our viewers at home, you know, mm-hmm. we do this podcast live to tape. And, you know, uh, my guest only calls in when they call in. Our producer works with them, Keith McLaughlin, who's the best producer in the country. He works with them and tries to explain what we're doing. And then, you know, we get an opportunity to chit-chat a little bit before we start the podcast. And David and I were chit-chatting. And, you know, there's been a whole bunch of stuff that I really wanted to talk to somebody about. And I'm so glad that you're here because you've got the pulse of the industry and the pulse of what people are thinking. And let's share a little bit of this with people today, okay? Let's chop it up. Let's chop it up, my friend. Look, you know, first thing, one, let yes, facts, we are going to let you know what the strain of the year is in just a minute. Just hold on. Don't be all, you know, my thou, my thou, don't hold me up. Just back up for a second. Look, I have been really just getting, man, if you were in my house with me on some occasions, I literally will, somebody will send me an article and I get so pissed off. I may have just taken a little hit, you know what I mean? And I, and that hit should be calming me down, but I get so pissed off because what I'm starting to think and feel is that, you know, the pharmaceutical industry understands, uh-oh, old blues out the gate, cats out the bag when it comes to cannabis. They're starting to recognize that people are starting to understand the value of cannabis. They knew that before COVID. But I think COVID solidified its value when they recognized that almost every single state, except for one that has some sort of a medical program, made cannabis a, you know, a vital resource. Essential. Yeah, essential resource and kept it that way. Um, So that must have thrown the pharmaceutical industry for a loop. And then all of a sudden I see all of these articles being written that seem to be picking on anything that they can pick on without really any research or validation. They just make these bold statements. I think more people are starting to scratch their butt because of cannabis than they did before. I mean, that's, I'm making that up, but I mean, the truth of the matter is they seem to be picking on cannabis in a way that they're trying to see if they can slow down our momentum. Are you starting to feel that? Sure. Um, 
I think one of the studies that was in like Instagram feeds this week was like uh, cannabis's effect on sleep. And uh, yeah, I saw that. I saw that. I saw that one. Please, oh, go ahead. Yeah, um, and I, uh, you know, when you think about uh, pharmaceutical corporations and the law, I know that they have people over there that have a fiduciary duty to their shareholders to avail themselves of like all their marketing resources uh, with regard to bringing to light any potential side effects or interactions of cannabis, which they know is basically the world's cheapest analgesic, anti-inflammatory, anti-spasmodic that it's ever had. It's been around for thousands of years. Um, its uses have been widely known. And um, and so, yeah, I mean, to me, it looks like it's counter-marketing to the um, messaging that cannabis, uh, medical cannabis users um, now bring to each other and to the internet. Um, we are in this era where there's a lot of medical claims um, being uh, promulgated about cannabinoids, um, many accurate, others not. And uh, we see the FDA throwing brushback pitches at CBD companies for making medical claims that, for example, pharmaceutical companies can't. And I think we're going to see more pharmaceutical companies ask cannabis companies to be held to their standard with regard to medical claims, um, as well as like disclosure for potential side effects and interactions. And you know, when you're dealing with cannabinoids, all these different chemotypes, all these different people, there are edge cases where, um, you know, if this was a medical product, you'd be putting stuff on the label in terms of potential side effects that sound um, unappetizing. And, um, and so that's the new era we're in. Cannabinoids are growing up. And, um, you know, at first they laugh at you. And then, uh, you know, they at first they ignore you. Then they laugh at you. Then they fight you. And then you win. You know, God, Absolutely. You and that we're at the like, you know, then they fight you side. Um, so they have, uh, they're they're fighting. They are fighting hard. I mean, even that same article that you you referenced, there was a there was a statement that they just like a one sentence sentence statement that made something like with there's been no proof that CBD does whatever. And then they went back mm -hmm. to THC and sleep and saying that and, historically, I don't want to talk over you. I just want to get out that like they've been doing this research pile on for decades, and cannabis has stood up to it um, in terms of. Uh, medical consumers um, saying it's efficacious for me and survey data backing up their claims of efficacy and uh, ease of use. I think of back like even in the medical marijuana days here in California, um, the state asked people, hey, have you tried medical marijuana and B, did it work? And the efficacy was in the 80%, you know, 85% for um, those survey, survey results. Um, and so we're going to be in a messaging um, uh, tussle. And uh, the good news is, is that cannabinoids have a lot going for them. And that's just the truth. Absolutely. You know, I mean, I think we talked about this the last time you were on is the fact that I think that that's one of the things that this industry, I think we in the cannabis industry have to now start doing. And that is um, countering with as much educational information as we can get out there. Yes. In fact, some of the, 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 Double blind studies have not been completed yet. And yes, we don't have the correct, we don't have what they consider gold standard, you know, uh, data. However, we have as much anecdotal data as any nutraceutical in the world. And then some, there's more documentation on cannabis now than I think almost even aspirin. So with and the, there are double blind studies now and, uh, and can, um, 
cannabinoids are not single molecule, single target drugs. They are part of a new paradigm that uses an entourage. It's uh, harder to measure, but you can see the results in uh, big data sets. And we have those data sets in terms of the number of consumers and what they're saying it's doing for them. And now we're trying to work backward from the, the reality, the reported reality of our patients to um, what's actually at play here. THC, CBD, these terpenes, what's their ratios, what's working for what. Um, we're getting ready to publish a story about autism research and cannabis in 2021. And um, it's a whole new era, especially for chronic intractable conditions for which modern science has been scratching its head. The 21st century is gonna be all endocannabinoid medicine, uh, endocannabinoid modulation, understanding these receptors, um, and hopefully like with a plant focus and a, and a natural focus, because these are powerful um, neurosynaptic systems we're talking about. And I mean, I guess, you know, even though in the last three years, and it's starting to, to reverberate enough in the medical world that there are colleges across the country that are starting to teach the endocannabinoid system, I find it absolutely just, just, just appalling that a doctor who now will at least acknowledge the fact that they misunderstood this secondary nervous system that we have and now acknowledge that it truly does exist. They acknowledge things like anandamide deficiency. They acknowledge things that they hadn't for the last 60 years. Now have the audacity and not recognize that it's the cannabinoids that are antagonizing that system in a way that we need it to do. So I, I, it's almost like, well, I believe, you know, an ounce of the science, but I don't leave a pound. We'll stop with the stupidity, you know what I mean? And educate. There's continuing medical education courses, CMEs that are more available than ever before because of the internet that you can take to like come up to speed on like cannabinoids for pain management. And then um, we have the right to associate in America, the freedom of association. And so the associations of cannabinoid clinicians are really blooming. And through those associations, you derive your most power as like a citizen in, in a democracy. And so uh, you can avail yourselves of those educational courses. You can avail yourselves of these associations and uh, get smart you know, to what's actually going on so that you can um, be a better doctor or a nurse for people who can start with something relatively tame and low side effect uh, as a first line of treatment, um, say for anxiety or whatever, instead of going straight to a benzodiazepine with a number of side effects that include anxiety because your life's being so disrupted by this, by this harsh prescription chemical. Right. And I, mean, I think what's going to happen, hopefully, is this next year, if it is the year of the cannabinoid, which I hope it is, um, I hope that our industry also understands that it's not just about, you know, look what the pharmaceutical industry has done for the last 40 years, especially through television and through advertising. They don't do an ad and run 20 commercials a day for a doctor to look at. They run those 20 commercials a day so that the consumer knows that there's something out there. And then that consumer will go into the doctor's office and say, have you heard about X, Y, Z? And the doctor goes, hmm, well, I haven't heard about that. Reaches out to the pharmaceutical industry. They bring him a, a batch of it to give away and he gets a little kickback. I mean, I think what, what I, I've been saying this and I still believe this really strongly, even right now. And I know that some states have restrictions on direct to drug marketing, direct marketing. to drug advertising, but they don't have restrictions on direct education. 
And I think what we're going to have to do is try to figure out how, as an industry, how to skirt that fine line of getting and providing. Like this, I guess this Sunday, Sanjay Gupta is going to have his number six uh, special on uh, cannabis. Yes, sir. Uh, and I'm I'm so excited about that. I can't wait to hear it. I'm gonna reach out to him and talk to him and see because I know several of the people and the families that he has represented in his show I've had on this podcast. Yeah. And you know, uh talking about it's not anecdotal. We're talking about, you know, I I'm I'm beyond this this bullshit statement. Anecdotal. No, I mean a pediolex in Israel, 40% average decrease in intractable seizures in these kids. Can you imagine being a parent and uh being able to do nothing? for a kid that's going to waste away and die from something like this. And then they're like, we have this oil from a plant and 40% of the time it like, uh, you know, you're, you're going to 40% relief. And then in some cases, like it just totally goes away. And you're like, this is why they were writing about this in the Bible. You right. Know? Right. So I mean, like, the anointing oils that the Israelis used back then, or as you know, the Jews use. If, 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 you know, if it didn't work, one of the wise men wouldn't have brought it to the baby Jesus. Yeah. I'm just saying, right? Yeah. Well, no, man. So so really good. I mean, I think now over the course of, you know, we're now two years, almost two years in. Well, I guess it's a full year, one year in to this current administration. One that claimed during its campaign, oh, yes, in our first hundred days, we're going to make sure that we do something in the space of cannabis. Yeah, we have bullshit. And they didn't. And I get it. You know, this administration has been under siege since day one. They got a lot of stuff on their plate. But when you have something that has been passed in 37 states in the District of Columbia, I think that's as important as any other issue that they have on their plate. Do you anticipate this administration attempting to do anything? See, I see them think, I I think, I bet you it'll be somewhere around mm, July, August, that you're going to start hearing this administration talking about how they want to, they want to, uh, they want to do something on mm. cannabis prior to the November midterms. I think that's what's going to happen, but they won't get it done. And do you see anything getting done? Do you think that we're going to we're going to you know break through with some changes in banking? Do you think they're going to break through with some changes in uh, some more? Well, of course, we're going to have more states come on in the next election. Um, process, but do do you, what do you anticipate going to happen in 2022? I see, I first see choppy waters, you know, for marijuana law reform on Capitol Hill itself, but I always carry this uh, message of hope uh, with regard to federalism and localism. We're going to have a slew of Midwestern and Southern states uh, have legalization on the ballot. And then with localism and local control and that paradigm we have in America, Every city and county is going to be making choices about uh, enforcement levels, priorities. I mean, I think of Oakland doing Measure Z, making marijuana the lowest enforcement priority in the early 2000s. And every city and county in America can pass the Measure Z and say, pot smoking is less of an issue for our law enforcement than jaywalking. And um, these states are going to be voting on it. Um, That change percolates up. And um, by the time Capitol Hill is ready to move, it's going to be a foregone conclusion. Um, We know that medical marijuana polls in the 80s and the 90s nationally, and we don't have movement on that. We're clearly uh, riven as a Congress and a country. And to look to like Capitol Hill with any sort of like hero hope, you know, I think is misplaced because uh, every person in every community, you know, 
plays a role in um, that change. And, and so to be excited about the number of cities and, and counties that are coming online in California and these state battles that are going to be pitched and dirty. You know, when you do a weed initiative back in the Midwest, they'll do you dirty. They just uh, the um, which one of the Dakotas, the Supreme Court was oh, like, yeah, I know yeah. you just voted on that, but we're like, nah, bro. You know, they just thumbs down the will of the people, the Republican will of the people in that Dakota state, and so. Which was I thought was really crazy when it really Republicans had pushed the hemp bill forward. So it seemed like Republicans were starting to understand the will of the people, but then they just decided to right. oh, screw you. I don't care what you vote on. It's complex. Um, you know, uh, we had a Republican introduce the States Reform Act. Uh, that's a Republican from South Carolina, uh, Nancy Mace, I believe her name is. Um, and we had Senator Cory Booker say, we don't want to do a safe banking reform act without the more act. We want the whole loaf, not half the loaf. We're, um, in a new era, like um, in a way legalization is a foregone conclusion. And now we're fighting about industry versus, um, progressives or industry versus, um, sort of, um, activists. And then we're fighting about what flavor of legalization we're talking about, like a high freedom, low regulation one, um, you know, rep Mace's. The uh, bill pegged the taxes, the federal taxes on pot at 3%. Um, Cory Booker could see him go all the way up to 25%. And when you're dealing with like agricultural commodity like cannabis, 3% is your margin. So mm-hmm. Rep Mace understands like actual physical atoms and reality moving around at cost and like where the margin is. And other people just want to kind of wave their hands and go, it's this, you know. Um, right. But I'm glad we're here, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, a representative from Southern Carolina in South Carolina and the GOP saying marijuana should not be in the schedule of drugs. It should be out. The hippies were saying that in the seventies, you know, Correct. So took us 50 years and that arc of reform bent ever so slowly. And I just want to keep, see it keep bending and see people not get bummed out about the hill, you know, and that system we've set up to really not do anything because the government is so powerful that if we move too fast, we can break a lot of stuff. And, and right now it's, it's literally just built on division. I mean, I think there's, there's not much movement happening out there. What do you think about what's been going on in California and going on across the country, really um, across the country when it comes to these, you know, groups of people going in and smashing and grabbing now California and, and the dispensaries, system out there, I guess, in the, in the Bay Area, they've had a couple of these these roving, you know, hordes go in and target cannabis dispensaries and facilities deliberately because they know that, again, a lot of cash on hand, product on hand that they can go and move quickly. Um, and they don't seem to be getting the support of local administrations and local municipalities where local municipalities are getting a lot of tax dollars. Yeah, we're publishing a story this week, uh, rounding up the Oakland security situation. Looks like businesses, licensees are packing up and leaving because every dollar that comes in the door, um, the city of Oakland wants a dime before you pay any bills. That's a 10% gross receipts tax. Um, And then in return, um, it seems like uh, law enforcement response times are really low to this uh, new phenomenon of mobile and car-based robbery that... uh, really got refined uh, undercover of the social unrest that's been um, percolating with regard to like racial justice since the 2020, um, you know, George, George Floyd protests. We have long time, long standing, you know, professional um, 
robbers who use the cover of these uh, events now to um, engage in like mobile phone directed rolling robbery and um, uh, Oakland licensees report being exasperated and feeling unsafe and kind of packing up. Um, cannabis isn't the only business that's been exposed to this stuff. Anything that's fungible and valuable is up for grabs and um, and uh, law enforcement and city leaders are really scratching their heads and wondering how to approach it because we're in an environment here in the Bay Area where we're trying to decarcerate people and move away from um, you know putting human beings in cages for um, a variety of things. So um, uh, it it to me it's the in ways it's the normalization of cannabis. Um, cannabis businesses aren't exempt from these larger crime and societal issues. In fact, they're right now in the center of them. And um, uh, there's going to be a lot of work to be done, you know, on both sides, you know, the people coming in and the people uh, trying to just conduct business and the uh, the city leaders who are there, you know, taking hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars in taxes, at least at the state level. And what are you getting in return for it? I know we just did a big story in Oakland and, and California about how these businesses pay hundreds or thousands of times more in taxes than like a gun shop or a uh, or a check cashing facility and um, they don't get hundreds or thousands of times better law enforcement times. It, it, it appears like they've been getting significantly worse law enforcement times. I know. And, I, I, and, it, it, and it doesn't seem to be like an you know, end to this. I mean, this is happening almost every night, right? Um, it time got time to the Kyle Rittenhouse verdict was the, was the last wave, but they have a playbook now. And so, Anytime it looks like law enforcement resources might be spread thin because of another issue, they can go out and try to do this again. And um, and so it's generally been concentrated to um, industrial areas and um, Oakland, but uh, retail areas in San Francisco aren't exempt, um, nor are they from sort of anywhere. Um, the Green Cross on Mission has the wood back up on wood boards back up on their um, windows instead of the pretty glass windows because um, a group came by and broke them like a, like again, like a week ago and couldn't really get in because those places are, that one was pretty fortified. Um, but uh, that's a negative, you know, look in the community to have to have those windows boarded up the same way, you know, again, retailers to the left and the right of the green cross uh, along mission street might also have stuff boarded up like a liquor store, for example, or, or something else like that. Wow, it's crazy. And you would think that this would help to prompt, you know, at least administration, local, local, you know, uh, uh, governments to say, well, look, I mean, if the Fed's not going to move on banking, we need to get some of this cash out of these facilities, which is what entices people to come in. So Mind-boggling. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Just, we just had the Safe Banking Act die and the National Defense Authorization Act, and. Um, there's a bunch of equity businesses that would love to be able to put their money in a bank instead of having it get taken out of their safe by someone who kicked in the wall over the night before. It's, um, I mean, and you have like 36 state attorney generals saying, do the Safe Banking Act, do banking to increase public safety. And you're like, what's the holdup, guys? Well, um, <laughs> you have people on the progressive, some progressives who want to make the perfect the enemy of the good. And then you have some Republicans who never want to see change. And that's enough to like slow down logical, modest steps toward um, legalization. 
I mean, I, I've been thinking about this week. The pro, the press is kind of the fourth or fifth estate. I forget which one. Our job is to call bullshit on both sides with regard to stuff that everyone wants them to do and they're not doing because they don't want to let the other side score a point or look like they're scoring a point or, you know, um, some other related thing. Um, there's clear, like, a cannabis is one of the few common grounds Americans share. And it, it's incumbent on us to, like, push them to be like, come on, guys, I get it. You know, you hate each other. You're at each other's throats. But you have to do this for us. It's literally your job. Is what we hired you to do is, like, go there and find common, find the common ground. Find the common ground. Well, let's talk a little bit about common brand ground when it comes to Canada. Yeah. I started off by saying, you know, uh, in a, really, honestly, nowadays, the way that we have talked about cannabis really has changed. I mean, I think, you know, there were so many people so worried five years ago about, you know, sativa, indica, you know, hybrid, where, you know, let, let's talk a little bit about the basics of cannabis for a second for those who are tuning in. And in layman's terms, let's start with what what is a cannabis strain? Yeah. Um, so the word strain, I looked up in the like dictionary has this old uh, English Nordic German root of like string and like the root and like a plant, but you know, like a tree and its roots, but then also like your breeding stock, your line of people, your descendants, your strain. Like I, I am a dad. And so I have a strain of downs is running around now, <laughs> you know? Um, and so that's the, like the etymological thrust of the word strain in cannabis. It means over 5,000 types, varieties, of mostly high THC bud that have been um, been cultivated and named over the last 20, 30, 40 years. And uh, it's a um, folk term, you know, like technically we're, they would be considered a cultivar under like agronomical science and nomenclature, but strain has stuck. This last two years, strains also had this viral, you know, name. And um, we've seen people move away from the word strain, but Leafly started as a strain site at the beginning. And to this day, it's the definitive place you go to look up types of cannabis, varieties of cannabis, cultivars of cannabis, aka strains. Sometimes people mispronounce the word as strand. Um, and the, the idea of a strain really is goes to the genetic code, you know, uh, uh, our strain of the year, which I'm not going to name, I'll let you you know, come out has a specific genetic code. The code, the the clone that that was first made has a code. The seeds that uh, came out of it have, share a code, and that code determines the plant's shape and smell and uh, structure and some of its effects. And thus, um, that code and the strain name for it uh, translates all the way into the taste you smell and the smell you smell and the effects you feel and the relief you get. Or and um, and you're like this is my jam. I want this every day. I want a pound of this. And you look for it. And so strains, and because of their effects are relatively consistent, they can vary depending on how you grow the pot, create billion dollar brands. You know, the industry is $18 billion legal industry. The whole thing might be 60 billion total like black market and illicit market and, and legal in, in America. And um, there are dominant, dominant types of, of cannabis that are, you know, that eat the lunch. There's 20 that eat the lunch of the other 4,980. They are billion dollar genetic codes. They are billion dollar trademarked names sometimes. Sometimes there's infringement. 
And um, for the last four years, Leafly has said one particular variety cultivar strain is the strain of the year. And we're going to give it to this one because of all the reasons that like Pitchfork picks an album of the year or Pantone picks a color of the year or Rolling Stone picks an album of the year. It's like people want to know what's awesome. They want to get stoked and we want them to be stoked. That's all we're doing at Leafly is thinking of ways to help curate and propel people's cannabis discovery. And and so just again, so I explain, so we can explain this to people at home or people who are tuning in, this whole idea of the strain making, uh, fitting neatly into one vertical, either indigo, sativa, hybrid. Yeah. terms are really out the window now because, you know, I mean, if we really think about it, almost everything is some form of a hybrid of some sort, right? I mean, we look back the last 30, I mean, we go back 40, 50 years, we know that in the early 70s, no, no, sorry, early 60s, mid-60s, you know, uh, growers in the United States were just hell-bent on growing as much CBD out of the plant as they possibly could and adding as much THC into the plant as they possibly could. And we've continued on that track, but, you know, you might have taken an indica that was very, a little bit more heavily laden than CBD. Well, now that indica went through its machinations during the 60s and came back out in the 70s and it was kind of a cross between an indica and a sativa. And- yeah, I, I want to like do two things, honor the folk science and the taxonomy that they had and add depth to it. So right. indica sativa hybrids are really good for talking about how a plant used to grow. Indicas are from southern part of the Himalayan mountains in India and uh, grow really bushy and short and fat flower fast. Sativas are associated with tropical regions. They grow tall and airy, uh, flower slowly because they have all the sun they need, and they're more worried about mold. Um, When you started mixing them, like we've mixed every crop on the planet from different parts, like apples from all over the country, you end up with these hybrids. Um, And back then, the breeders, growers sort of started to associate how plant grew and looked with some of its effects because there were some broad differences. Um, now there's less so, um, or it's more complex story. And certainly with the strain of the year, that story is complex too. So for anybody who's still using Indica Sativa hybrid to help shop and find their experiences and finding that good for them, you're fine. You're right. For people who have found that sometimes left isn't left, it's been totally right. You're right too. There's aspects of Indica Sativa hybrid that go back in on themselves and seem to contradict what it might look like on a, on the surface. For example, this year I grew Slurricane, an indica hybrid, and um, it's a cross of, um, I'm not gonna tell you what it's a cross of, but I grew mm-hmm. it and it's, it's listed as an indica hybrid. The thing grew nine feet tall and didn't wanna finish. It was October and it was time to chop. I got a life and it could have kept going two weeks, three weeks, I don't know. And it's still great. I wonder how great it could have been. But those are indica genes in there. There, It's like 70% indica, but there's so much hybridization that what you're getting, what's expression, it's the sativa time. It's the sativa grow. It's got indica buds. It's a mutant. It's awesome. And then it's also really complex too. Um, So yeah, like Leafly's there to help start you on that journey. You learn indica sativa hybrid that's kind of looking like this. 
Um, the next layer underneath it and where we really drive at is that the terpenes, the aromas in cannabis, which you're going to hear more and more, and a lot of your viewers already know, tend to be uh, a greater than um, issue uh, of importance than indica sativa hybrid. I got a buddy with migraines. He's trying to figure out what works for him. Some doesn't, some does. He's going from indica sativa hybrid to dial in in his terpenes and he figured it out. Like beta caryophylline is his jam. It solves his muscle spasm issues. He has a CBD plant with almost no THC in it and it rocks his socks. It gives him everything he wants because it's got a bunch of beta caryophylline in it. Um, and so now he knows how to shop above the strain level, go into any store, look at any product, try to get at the chemotype that is the fingerprint of the chemicals in the bud, which they have to measure now because we're in a golden age of cannabis. And in California, you can ask for the freaking uh, certificate of analysis to be like, show me the lab report on this dope. And they're like, here you go, sir. What shall you like? And a good bud tender or some research on Leafly is going to put you on not only the like strain that's your jam, but six other terpene twins that you can also shop that like should have, according to average lab scores of people that submitted it under that name, those same three dominant terpenes is the one that are working for you. The crazy thing is there's dozens of terpenes and even the lower ones might have more nuanced effects. And so we might be spending decades going through awesomine and all these other humulene and these. Really? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Let's go. Um, let's go ahead. Let's, let's go ahead. Da, 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 do the drum roll. What is the strain of the year? The Leafly strain of the year 2021 is Dosidos. Dosidos. Let's talk a little bit about Dosidos. Where, where, what's it a component of or I, I, what's it a constituents? Yeah. Um, first of all, Leafly, like you can't buy strain of the year. The Leafly News subject matter experts pick it and we pick it based on that idea and goal of wanting to stoke people out on something that's great that's contemporary that they can get so we look at what's popular in stores we look at what's popular in regions we look at how a strain's doing in terms of search traffic every strain's on a trajectory it's rising or falling like the new yeezys or you know some nft artists like they're gaining or they're or they're losing because people are bored and being on top of the newest thing is cultural clout um and and they're fun to, to smoke and so we look at that and because we're in a such position we can say like this is the one this one we'll get like 15 that are in the top you know that are all contenders that would all be good ones but there's only one that we want to give the the strain of the year to because you know invoke the year and it's got great parents and it's won tons of awards there's a lot of qualitative parts after you get through the quantitative analysis that um, made dosi number one um, and I can list those reasons for you right now. It's a beautiful strain, and you might be able to find it as well as either its parent or its children anywhere in America. Mm -hmm. Well, let's list a couple of the attributes. Yeah, um, Dosidos is um, two popular strain families put together. It's OG Kush and it's Girl Scout cookies. A particular type of OG Kush called Face Off OG BX1, created by this breeder, Archive Seeds, who cross it with a special mutant cookies called. OGKB or OG Kush Breath. And it sounds like Archive Seeds' breeder, this head guy, Fletch, who we're celebrating because he's done a raft of amazing work that's central to the discussion of modern pot. Um, his goal with Dosidos was to make something that was really strong, really pretty, 
and really terpied out, like terped, and um, and then grew really well. And when he did uh, in 2012, um, you know, he, as we would say, broke the internet. When Dosidos came out and started getting popular, it started winning awards. Um, we talked to Alien Labs' Ted Lighty, who was saying, when he brought it to Connected Cannabis Co. back then, um, or what's now Connected Cannabis Co., they were like, this is the hottest, well, I'm not going to cuss here, but this is the hottest mm -hmm. stuff ever. You know, you have to grow a lot of this. Um, we're in this era where everything has to have great bag appeal and nose and should have these really high THC effects that even connoisseurs who are, have really high tolerances go, whoa. Um, Dosidos ushered in that era. And even though it's nine years old, it just won, it keeps winning awards. And for us, we noticed that it cracked in the US searches, like the top 20 strains. Um, it went from top 20, like number 20 to number 18. It's nine years old and it's gaining. It's gaining. It's not a flash in the pan. There's strains every year that everyone's talking about, but you're not going to be able to buy. And it's not clear if anybody's going to be able to grow really well. We want strain of the years to be ones that go into the Hall of Fame that are certifiable, legendary, living legends, or you know, actual legends um, that that are stand above that. The trajectory has been watched; it's been locked. It's a done deal. This is um, uh, a landmark strain that everyone should try if you want those indica hybrid, high THC um, kind of rocket ride up and then like deep sedation, couch lock, um, kind of uh, stoned effect, um, middle and, and bottom that lasts a really long time, um, but that the nugs look like a crime to break up. And then the smell at its best, dosi is just super rowdy and gassy and fuely and OG. It's got top, it's dominant terpenes limonene with a caryophylline and a little, little chassis. And those, um, it should grab you and smack your nose. I mean, uh, and, and the best ones really do with also having this like grapey, sweet, perp sort of finish. Um, that, that flavor profile, we want to do a cert in 2021 and into 2022 as well. We think that like gas is, um, people are ready to step back on it and get back to it. OG Kush of the 90s you know, really embodied it. And in 2021, Dosi Dos is OG Kush. It is the best of what OG Kush had to offer in a modern format. Would you find it in other places than where you originally got it from? Would you find it under the OG Kush brand or would it be called Dosi Dos? We think that in the streets, it might just be exotic or OG um, because it's so blingy and has that gassiness that people are familiar with. It's in the stores that You'll see, like this, this buddy's uh, cannabis store in, in uh, Washington and Renton has 16 varieties of dosidos uh, on the menu, and um, you'll always be able to find an OG Kush and a Girl Scout cookies if you want to make a little salad blend and like create your own dosidos in a bowl. You can do that. You'll often be able to find dosi, and then some of its um, parent or uh, like progeny are the flavor of the month. So peanut butter breath, especially in Michigan, but everywhere now. The PB breath is super hot. The slurricane, that's the dosi dose to the purple punch or the dosi punch. Both of those are dosi dose to purple punch. Those are, are, are smoking hot. And then like the creme de la creme cutting edge of uh, the Zaza culture is looking at the rainbow belts 
and the Moonbow. And those were dose to dose crosses to Skittles, um, which uh -huh. is like, who doesn't want those two things together? Sure. Put them together. Let's go. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. And when were they, the, those are the names of the runners up? So, yeah, what we did was um, there was a lot of good contenders. Only one could be strain of the year, but a lot of strains did claw their way to the top out of the 5,000 in 2021. We wanted a place to acknowledge them. And so, yeah, we do have the top eight strains of 2021, not the strain of the year, but the top eight. And um, that's where you'll see like a, a PB breath. Shout out also to GMO Cookies. That's another cookie cross that is super pungent. Um, that um, I think I want to make the point that like there are board smokers who are adventurous the way there's like triple IPA drinkers and blue cheese eaters. And these adventurous, you know, pungent tea chasers are setting the tempo for cannabis and they are way out there on their funky smells. We're mm -hmm. seeing new stuff called like everything bagel that smells like everything bagels or um, a whole sort of rotten appreciation movement. There's all these funky strains, Montel, like uh, juggalo breath. There's a breath movement that's funky and sweet and rotten the way fruit like ferments to the point and goes over ripe. And you're like, oh, like that's actually, mm -hmm. it's a really divisive aroma. But um, when you've smoked a lot of pot for a lot of years, you're way out there and you're trying, you just get bored. Right. And so um, GMO uh, is that doorway into Willy Wonka's upside down land of like weird cannabis smells. And you're going to be seeing more and more of them. Um, I want people to know that this is an $18 billion industry and there's a conversation going on. I'm an English major and you hear about the epistolary relationship. People who have a relationship of just of letters, they just, they used to write each other and then write back. And it was like the whole relationship. The, the breeders and the growers and the connoisseur smokers are in an epistolary relationship. And the let, instead of writing letters, they're coming up with strains and they're growing them and selling them and they're smoking them and buying them up and sending signals back up this chain being like, we like this. Um, and the, there's like, whether you know this conversation or choose to ignore it or listen in or participate, it's happening at the highest levels. And it percolates down into your lived reality of the cannabis you smoke every day. And, um, and, but it's on a whole other level. And I invite people to that table because it's thrilling. Um, the smells they're talking about, the, the highs they're chasing, you know, um, it's truly a golden era for the plant. Is it replicatable? Is, is this particular seed or strain, is it replicatable? Can I buy some, get a seed and grow it? And, and I'm so it? excited. Yes. Like what is it? Like if a great weed gets chopped down in a forest and no one smokes it, is it really great? You know, like mm -hmm. it's gotta be available. There's a commercial reality to life and we are cognizant of it. We're a huge marketplace. We sell, we do a lot of orders on Leafly we picked something that was super menu, menu available, way more menu available than Runts was last year. So you should be able to get Dosey Dose. And then my favorite part is like, you can go online to archive seeds and buy Dosey Dose crosses from the crosser. Um, archive seeds is Fletch. You can go into archive seeds store in Portland and buy flour that is up to their standards or genetics so you can take it home or a clone, like a Dosey Dose F2 clone selected by Fletch for you to grow you know, in your house, you know, and know that you have the genetics he personally endorses for that strain in your house for that effect. We say that that's like being able to go to the Tesla a lot and like get the AutoCAD drawings of the next Tesla 
be able to take them home and like print it out and just have one for yourself. It's like now more than ever, you can stand on the shoulders of just breeding giants, people who like did thousand phenotype hunts for that, the one, and then grew, you know, like made a whole line out of the one. And now you can just buy the one for a hundred dollars and you know, and now you're in the game. Now you're at the table. Now you're part of the conversation. You bring a jar to the Emerald Cup and be like, I grew this this year. And people are like, oh, 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 okay. I want to sit down and let's smoke it. I'm going to trade. This is what I had. This is what I did, you know? Um, and that's just, if it's your jam, it's fulfilling. It's um, meaningful. Absolutely. And, you know, again, now, how about in some of uh, every, every state's a little kind of, can I get this in Massachusetts? Can I get this? Yes. In America? Can I, I can? Massachusetts Theory Wellness just won best uh, visual for their dosi dose. Go shop um, dosi in mass. You can um, go to Leafly and type dosi dose and search and order, and it's going to show you where all the dosi dose and crosses are around you in your zip code. You can put them right in the cart. We encourage people to do that. Have that experience. Let us know. If you have much fun, had as much fun with it as we did, because we have 800 reviews on Dosidos, it has an average score of 4.7 out of five. Like wow. it's we people like it. The reviews are hilarious. Really? Um, give me give me an example of one. Oh man, um, people just talk about you know like I need a timeout, man. I hit this and I gotta go sit down. Another one's like I feel like a mermaid. You know, <laughs> Um, people yeah. are having fun. It's a calming high THC strain. It causes euphoria, feelings of well-being. People want that, especially right now. There's a lot on people's minds, and um, it can be that you know instant checkout that you need um, in a way that resets you to like keep going. You know, absolutely. Now, and now, I, I asked this only like for me um, recently, and in, in, <clears throat> sorry, in recent years. You know, I used to be literally, uh, I, I swear to you, I, I don't know if there was anybody that I knew of without smoking. And, you know, the higher the THC, the better. But in recent months, I literally, and then really the last year or so, I've literally been more of a, if I had to say a, a one to 10, I'm more of a six. I don't, I don't want to get blasted over here so far that I can't keep my balance you know i had a right. struggle so i want to i want to be able to, to dial it and now i found that some strains if i know that they're a big banger that's what i call them, a big banger yeah <laughs> and what i'll do is you know what i mean i may light something hold it over here for a second and just go pull it away that little bit right there is enough for me Huh? Titrate. Yeah, you titrate that. Can, can you still do that with dosi dough? Titrate. Sure. I said okay. joint, joints are so great. Like get the pre-roll, the dosi, you know, um, the pre-rolls, the terps are a little lower and the potency is a little lower. And and then you can uh when you hit that, it takes effect within like 10 or 15 seconds, and you don't have to take another hit. You can be like, I'm cool. Or what you'll probably do is wait 10 minutes and be like, hey man, I like that dosi dose joint. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> you know? And that's what you should be doing. Like there's such Doctors want you to take the lowest effective dose for like set an intention, get to the lowest effective dose that's getting you there. You know, Absolutely. don't get spin around, spun around by a really strong strain. We, I want to acknowledge like most people don't have the tolerance that the dosi dose lovers have, but these people, they're like 10% of the population of smokers, but they buy 50% of the weed. And that's the same way that it is for scotch or video games, uh, anything. You, you got this like power click that sets the tempo 
And I think we wanted to respect them with this one. We wanted to be like, yo, you like to get rowdy. There's, we we see you. We know you because those, again, like the can of co not like novices, they're following those influencers and those connoisseurs. They like, they're voyeuristically participating in, in stoner culture the way the, the everyday smoker, all day smoker, you know, who's spending a lot of their money on this stuff, you know, it, that they're on a whole nother level. And so Dose Dose is strong. I would recommend you take it out of a J, hit little puffs. Uh, you can also um, blend it. So uh, we, smoked, we talked to Smoke Dizza, the Kush God, the East Coast rapper, and he mentioned that Skittles is too strong for him. He definitely cuts it, like blends it with a, a different strain. Um, I think that's the way to go. Again, back to chemo types. You're trying to hit like your zone for the THC and the terps. Uh, Dosi is going to bring a lot of THC to the table. It's going to bring a lot of limonene and a lot of terps in general. Um, maybe you want to bring some CBD on board, or maybe you just want to keep that modality one hitter, you know, and um, versus um, a situation where, you know, it's a Saturday night and you're ready to cut loose and sure. um, just stare at the fire for like a couple right. hours. And what about if, if you uh, turn it into an edible? Yeah, um, we're mostly seeing dose to dose uh, flower and extracts more than edibles, just because I think edibles, it's hard to transfer the terpenes and the strain effect through. We're entering like a new time for strain specific edibles. So maybe we will see some dosy edibles. Um, I haven't seen them just yet. We usually see them try to port over like a mimosa or a fruit flavor profile, then try to bring over that fuel earthy um, smell that people report they're getting from dosi right now um but i'm open to it and i'm sure someone's working on one right now that's going to be legendary like this like brilliant pairing that you're just like ah dosi dose and almonds or whatever i don't know right right right, right, right i do know that like the dosi crosses are going off too and i mentioned that but there's another one coming out gelinate and dosi dose that's about to hit gelinate's a, a huge success that's lemon tree and gelato huge great strain and um to that cross that with dosi, that'll be like the gelados, ge gelinados. Mm -hmm. So um, more, even more terps. We're in a new era for the terps. It's great. Right, for sure, for sure. Well, man, I can't thank you enough, sir, for being here today, David. I mean, uh, and you know, of course, you always have a home here. Always want you back. We can chop it up anytime you want. Oh my gosh, uh, Montel, thank you so much for listening to me babble. No, so I appreciate the forum and uh, your time and your great audience uh, over here. You know, I'm just waking up every day and trying to like stay close to the plan and serve the reader and um, let us know how we're doing. You are doing a fabulous job, my friend. And thanks for all the, you know, the informational articles that you guys continue to put out. You lead the way with that. And I think, you know, I just want to make this just jump to the forefront, man. So, Watch Sanjay Gupta's special, and um, you know, let's let's chop it up about that later on sometime. Yeah, right? keep Leafly News bookmarked, y'all. It should be a lot of fun stuff coming out. Without a doubt, my friend. You take care of yourself, and make sure you tune in to the next Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Thanks for joining me on Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Please make sure you're subscribed and hit the bell to be notified when new episodes post each week. We'd love to hear your feedback, also. So please send us your comments. Mm -hmm.